well, yeah. yeah, it's it's an occasion when I get to talk to Jay Buxbaum. Um, uh, his company, Royal Kosher Wine, is, I thought it was, I don't know, I knew it was very large, and, and I knew that it was big, big, big in the U.S., but tell us what you just told me, uh, tell our listeners, Jay, that it is the largest, go ahead. It's the largest kosher, uh, I'm sorry, it's the largest producer, uh, distributor, and purveyor of kosher wines in the world. In the world. We are in 17 different countries. We're in, yeah, over 17 different countries. We produce wines in uh, about 19 countries, uh, including France and Italy and Spain and now Portugal and even Turkey, not Turkey, even um, uh, Greece now and, of course, Australia, New Zealand, uh, gosh, Chile, Argentina. You just name it. Probably the only wine-growing country, Hungary, the only wine-growing region and country we do not have wine from is Germany at this point. And who knows oh, really? that may come down the road. <laughs> That's interesting. But there's a, certain, there's a certain sensitivity because the Herzogs are Holocaust survivors. Yeah. So there's a certain okay. sensitivity to the, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, like German wine? I don't know, you know, so. <laughs> but but Israel, them, Israel yeah. we have 36 different wineries just from Israel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, Israel, I mean, I, of course, we get all these different um, producers, specialty food and drink people and stuff like that. Um, Israel's really branching out into all kinds of stuff like um, hummus. I mean, uh, what's the name of that brand of hummus? It's so good. Uh, chocolates. Sabra. I mean, whoever thought of kosher chocolates, you know, right, or right. Israeli chocolates. Well, well, you know what, what's interesting about that is, is that, um, you know, people ask me all the time, you asked me before we got on, uh, you know, started recording, you, you yeah. know, people ask me all the time, what makes wine kosher? Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that there's a big difference between kosher food products and kosher wine. Kosher food products is always a matter of ingredients, okay? So the ingredients within the product, and whether it be cookies... Production yeah, too. But, yeah, production too, but the primary difference between kosher wine and kosher food is the ingredients in kosher foods have to be kosher. In kosher wine, the ingredients in kosher wine are similar, if not the same, to non-kosher wine. It's the oversight that matters. Yeah. It's the fact that from the crushing of the grape until the bottle is sealed, a rabbi oversees the production, and his objective is, you know, a lot of people think he's there to bless the wine. It's quite the contrary. He's there to keep blessing out of the wine uh, because of old uh, pagan ritual that used to occur thousands of years ago when they used to bless wine for the pagan ritual whites. He's there to make sure the wine is neutral and that you, the consumer, whether you're Jewish or not, you know, make the wine special. So that's the difference between, yeah. That's Quite. really interesting. Um, we, we were talking also about how expansive the whole program is now, um, that you can get the best kosher wines in the world uh, and without compromise. And I told you that horrible incident where the only thing I could find even in Manhattan was kosher sangria, which was <laughs> not well, that was, great. That, that, was, that was my fault. I didn't, I, I didn't know any better. 
well that that's all I, they had. That's all. I think I think the bottle was bigger. I think I I think I, I got the biggest bottle off the shelf. <laughs> so explain why the, the, everything's expanded. I mean, I, I'm curious. How did Royal Wine get to be so big and such a dominant force? And, and what has inspired all this expansion of production? Well, the first thing, you know, our our core our core uh, raison d'être, if you will, is to service and serve the kosher consumer. So, and we're not shy about that. You know, we we want to make sure that the kosher consumer has the absolute best wine they can they can drink because they are kosher. And so, we go out and we make sure that we source the best grapes, the best wineries, the best of everything, um, the best corkage, the best winemakers, you know, the best equipment to make the wine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the family started making wine in 1848 in Czechoslovakia. In fact, in those days, the wine that they made was was not kosher. They did make a small batch for themselves because they were strictly kosher, mm-hmm. but they would most of the wine they made was for the general public and not necessarily under certification. Today, in America, they came here. First of all, they, beautiful story. They were protected and hidden by their own Gentile um, uh, workers. Uh, you know, staff hid them for two years um, wow. and, and finally they were able to you know emerge out of their hiding places and and come to America with virtually nothing and Jonah Herzog Rabiona started working for a small wine company on the Lower East Side making you know like you remember that sweet kiddish <laughs> sweet kiddish stuff you know that sweet sacramental wine but uh-huh. he remembered the drier better wines that he made for uh, Rakotsi and, and for the, uh, you know, in, in Czechoslovakia and started looking for, first he got some Asti from Italy, then he got some Bordeaux from France, some basic oh. Bordeaux from France, and then started making California, you know, basic California Cabernet, Chardonnay, and Chenin Blanc. Well, today we have Grand Cruz from some, you know, from Leoville and from, um, from Chateau Clark and from, uh, Las Combes and from, um, you know, uh, God, so many wonderful different wines and from Rothschild. So, you know, uh, you know, there are wines now from New Zealand, some of the best wines from New Zealand. In fact, one of our biggest wines is Bartonura Moscato, which we guesstimate is probably 85% of the sales are not to kosher consumers. So right. the first and foremost, even though our core, you know, raison d'etre, so to speak, our core um, uh, cause is to, is to address the kosher consumer, more and more <clears throat> non-Jewish, non-kosher consumers are drinking the wines that we produce and purvey throughout the United States. And Israel... Because of the quality available. Yeah, because of the quality, nothing else. And Israel is a great example of that. Uh, more and more, there's probably now somewhere between three and 500 restaurants that are not kosher throughout the United States that are carrying some or many of our Israeli portfolio of wines. Well, that's so oh, a lot. In your, yeah, in your state alone, Zahav, 
which was rated one of the best restaurants, if not the best restaurant in America several years ago, has five of our wines on their list. Wow. Now, now Herzog is the family. And it is not kosher. I'm sorry? Hold on. Herzog is the name of the family. That is correct. Okay. Um, well, you know... <laughs> Somebody, somebody's, call, somebody's calling you. They have some wine. They want, they want you not to in my... Not, it's, not, it's not on my side. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, I mean, how, how do you market to this? I mean, how do you identify your consumers and market to them? So, you know, as is the case uh, with many uh, uh, communities... There are centers of Jewish communities throughout the country that are much richer in, in kosher consumers. So, for example, New York and New Jersey is, is one area. Uh, Southern Florida is another area. Southern California is another area. Chicago is an area. Mer Baltimore, uh, yeah. you know, the, the area in Maryland around Baltimore is, is another area. And... In those areas, we have extensive distribution. But what's interesting is that it, even in Texas, uh, you know, which is a very religious community, and I'm not talking about a Jewish religious community, a very, you know, uh, Christian Bible Belt, religious community. It? You know, the Bible Belt, they're buying tons of Israeli wines. Why? Not Jewish, because, because it's from the Holy Land. It's from where Jesus walked on water, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, so, oh, oh, you know, and so oh. they want to... They want the wine from the Holy Land. And so we have that, we have that consumer as well. Uh, but again, it really comes down to what is in the bottle. Is it quality? And I have to tell you, you know, on occasion, we don't get it right. And, you know, not every wine is perfect. But, you know, our objective, and Morty Herzog, our CEO, uh, put it right, you know, a long time ago, we talked about what makes a boutique winery. And it's not just the fact that it's small. It's attention to detail and quality. It's attention to detail and quality. Yeah. Now here's a question for you, Jay. Uh, sure. Are, are, are you the owners and growers of the grapes, or, or are you buying the grapes from somebody else, or are you you're blending from or, or, or already – Vinted wines and mixing them all together. What, what, okay, so what's, what's the what's the program here? That's a so that's a three part question. The answer is yes. is that we're both. We have our own vineyards, especially in California, where we have our Herzog Wine Cellar, which is located in Oxnard, with a wonderful, highly Zagat rated restaurant. You should visit it. It's called Tierra Sur. It? It's, it's called Tierra Sur. Okay. And it's in Oxnard, it's in California. And we have there about 60% of our production is made from our own vineyards. Okay. So our California production for Herzog and Baron Herzog and Herzog uh, Reserve wines are invariably, uh, well, 60% of them at least are made from our own grapes. But, yes, we do buy grapes uh, from other uh, you know, from vintners and, and vineyards, uh, in both in California and throughout the world. We also, but we never buy, or we never, yeah, we never buy ready-made wines because okay. kosher, kosher right. wines um, require that the, that the oversight start at crush. 
So while we'll buy the grapes and we'll even make the wine in other people's wineries, we'll always have our crew there or a rabbinic crew there before the wine is crushed while it's still in grapes and while it's still being dumped into the hopper and into the crush, um, you know, to oversee the production. So Bartonura is not made in our facility. It's a, it, we, we have a designated area within an enormous winery, and we have an enormous part of that enormous winery. And so we, you know, purchase, uh, you know, as the grapes come in, our, our people oversee the production to make sure that it's all, you know, produced under kosher certifying rabbinic uh, uh, oversight. And, uh, and that is the case in all of our non-owned wineries. In, we do have our, another winery that we do own that where we're, quote, vertically integrated, and that's in New York State, where all of the grape juice, we're the second, besides being wine, we're the second largest grape juice producer in, in the United States. I mean, after Welch's, which is not kosher, the Kedem grape juice. No wine either. That's right. The Kedem grape juice, uh, which is, well, probably getting close to 2 million cases, is produced all in our own winery. So while we do buy grapes for that, you know, we, we, you know, we buy the grapes in, you know, raw, obviously, you know, at harvest, and produce it from scratch after that. See, that was my other question, because I'm so used to dealing with the food side of everything. Uh, and, I mean... You know, my friend with a catering company has to be very careful where she prepares the food. Um, right. Now, yeah, now, but these wineries, uh, especially the ones that are, are not uh, Jewish-owned, say, or Israeli-owned, or any variation of that, they also, I mean, are the rules are strict, or can they produce other wines out of the same facility? Great question. I'll, I'll give you one example of that very famous winery called Las Combes, which I'm sure yes. you're familiar with, yes. is a, you know, a, a Grand Cru, um, uh, you know, a premier Cru, a Classe uh, um, Margot. And um, what we do there, of course, they produce their own regular non-kosher cuvee. And in the same winery, in a designated area, with brand new designated tanks and brand new designated barrels, um, you know, that are, are completely, you know, overseen from the, from the time the grapes are, you know, picked in the vineyards. The rabbi is there. They bring the grapes to the winery. And uh, from that moment on, the entire process is handled by an observant rabbinical crew. Now, it's okay. under the tutelage and the direction of the master winemaker at Las Combes but it is handled exclusively by the crew that, you know, the rabbinical crew so that it remains kosher throughout. Now, it's so now, amazing. Go ahead, Evan. No, no, we're, we're not near, we're not nearly made a dent in the, in the case you very generously sent to us. Yeah. But, but, but among the bottles that are in there are some very familiar sounding names of wines. And there, and there are some that are not so famous. Let me let me preface what what I was about to say with what I just said because you you know, one one wine that we've tried we started last night is called Choreograph. Right. 
And there's another one called lineage. Right. Is, is there anything so, about those? The, the, oh, the yes. Reason, the reason yes. they got those names? Yes. There's a fascinating story about the choreograph. Um, about 10 years ago, maybe more than that, maybe 12, 13 years ago, we purchased a vineyard in, um, in Southern California. Well, not quite Southern California. In, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the, the AVA right now. But anyway, yeah. we purchased a very large vineyard. And one of the plots was an experimental plot. So, you know, there was a whole vineyard area for Chardonnay, and there was a whole vineyard area for Cabernet, and there was a whole vineyard area for Chenin Blanc, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then the, the, the previous um, vintner would test different little batches in a vineyard that was, I don't know, probably 20, 30 acres of different wines, of different grapes within the same vineyard. Well, the first year, they didn't know what to do with this. You know, they wanted to rip it out and put in all Chardonnay or Cabernet. But, they, but the first year, they, they had all these grapes. What are they going to do with it? So they harvested it all at once. And most of it was red wine, but there was some wine white in it as well. And they harvested it all at once. And they vinted it all at once. And so it was a blend of all kinds of different grapes. Well, it tasted so good that instead of putting it into something called, you know, burgundy, you know, or yeah, red, yeah. they decided to give it a, a nomenclature, which is choreograph, which means bringing everything together. Oh, kind of like, um, okay. Yeah. And so that's the story behind it, which is interesting because, yeah. it, you know, historically speaking, you know, 200 years ago in France, it was the it was the vintners it was the grape growers that made their own wine and they just harvested it was called a field blend in those days yes yeah right right, right. it was called, called a field it. blend right it's still called that but most people don't you don't you know now they separate each variety and then they blend them after the fact and you know this is a true field blend and that you know after we've kind of tweaked it you know over the years um and uh, so that's why it's called choreograph. And lineage is called lineage in general because that's more of a category of wines that we make at Herzog because of the lineage of we're in the ninth generation of making wines. The Herzog family is in the ninth generation of making wines. Jeez. So it's the lineage behind it. It's not just the grapes. It's the history and the attention to, you know, pedigree, that, that goes into every bottle of lineage that is made, whether it's Chardonnay, Cabernet, choreographed, Sauvignon Blanc, you name it. Yeah, or, or Herzog Reserve, Napa Valley, and Lake Country Cab. I'm looking at that line. Oh, God. We're, sa we're, we're, saving, we're saving that for some kind of incredible California steak. <laughs> you'll have it, and you'll really wonderful. The, the Lake County especially is now a new and very exciting region stuck right between Sonoma and Napa. Okay. Um, and uh, I think, you know, over time, of course, it doesn't have the pedigree or the name recognition, I should say, of either of those places yet. But I think over time people will find that it has the nuances and the, the positive qualities of both of those areas. I think Lake County is going to become the next new hot, 
area to, to uh, make Can you tabernacles. spell that? Lake, L-A-K-E, Lake? Like, in, like a body right. of water. L-A-K-E. L-A-K-E, right. Lake. Okay. It's a county. Oh, right. okay. All right. Very and good. it's an ADA. No. It's, a, it's a new um, wine-growing region. What was I looking at just now? I was look, looking at Ch- Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Oh, absolutely, probably my my favorite red wine. Oh wow, that's very, wonderful! Very, I wish more people lovely. felt like you did. <laughs> well, we, we 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 should all we should all thank Robert Parker. I understand. That's Robert, true. Robert, Robert Parker, no, Robert Parker is credited with having discovered the the, the super plummy wines of the Southern Rhone. Mm-hmm. That's they, right. They, and they've taken. They, taken off like crazy now we we here's an interesting story for you we we were at the charleston south carolina food and wine festival and one of the one of the speakers was a member of the perrin family oh yeah the current head of the perrin family and uh we we listened to his presentation which was very interesting and i went up to him afterwards and i said how long would it take you to record that for our program (laughs) <laughs> he said about 15 minutes. I said sold. <laughs> there you and go. We did, and we and we did an exceptional interview with a man explaining why why and what there was about his family that caused them to be able to make a great wine going back five centuries or longer. Wow, five centuries! Yeah. Wow, and that's <laughs> kind of amazing. But you know, it's, it's also amazing to me that. Um, the Herzogs could get to be this large. I mean, was there like a shortage of competition or was it just smart experience? No, I, I, think, I think it's very, very simple. You know, I, I think everything, everything counts, you know, not great competition, attention to detail. Um, but I don't want to sound too religious, but, you know, very often, it, 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 you know, you've you got to like look at the one above, especially as we know as vintners, we know that you can't control everything when it comes to grapes. It depends on, you know, whatever, whatever the heavens above give you in terms of quality. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say that, that, you know, on, in an earthly way, it's really, really the, this, this ever, ever ending, attention to quality, quality, quality. And I think that, you know, the concept of if you build it, they'll come. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was growing up to buy, you know, kosher wine, if you had to spend more than three bucks on a bottle of kosher wine, (laughs) you're out of your mind, you know, know, now, now they're, they're, they're wines that, you know, especially these crew class, et cetera, they're on at hundreds of dollars a bottle. And you know what? Once you introduce a, a wine drinker to a better wine that's truly better, not just more expensive, I'm not talking about dollars-wise, but that tastes better and that sits better in the mouth and that goes better with the food, they ain't never going back to the cheaper stuff. Yeah, well, the, a funny story is a, a friend of ours, Reuben Katz, um, was a, a wine connoisseur and a restaurateur with a, a number of very fine uh, dining restaurants. Uh, and he ended up uh, running the um, 
um, the program at, through the CIA in um, where is that California? San Gelina. So anyhow, um, they he wasn't paying the duty on importing, and so mm-hmm. <laughs> they, I mean that was bad enough. He got caught. And, and on top of it all, poor Ruben, they confiscated him. Mean, he truly loved his wines. They confiscated his wines from one of his restaurants and distributed it, the wines to um, nursing homes. And, oh, my goodness. <laughs> on TV, they had all these old people <laughs> coming on saying, hey, I prefer me to Shevis. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That was that was not funny for Ruben. It was a very bad I lesson to learn. I, I yeah. thought I, I thought I caught a reference to a relatively new region in California, Paso Robles. So, uh, are you are you active there? I think you must be. Oh yes. In fact, we make a wonderful wine out of Paso Robles called Bee Leaf, B E L E A F, which is completely organic. And what, I, what I'm so excited about, it's 100% Cabernet, comes from 100% organic vineyard made without, you know, the addition of sulfites. Of course, your, your listeners need to know that there's always sulfites in wine because it grows in the ground. You know, there are sulfites yeah, in the ground that it comes from. That. So there's, there's nothing you can do about that. But, um, but what's wonderful about it is in the past, people who have made organic or or, you know, sulfite-free wines have done it with compromise. This is a no-compromise quality organic wine. The wine is quite delicious, uh, you know, uh, very good, medium-bodied, you know, but full and rich and complex in flavors. So, yeah, and it's made out of Passarobos from a vineyard there. There are a bunch of really interesting people, winemakers and wine growers out there. There's a gang you should get to know. They call themselves the Rhone Rangers. Rhone Rangers. Rangers, sure. And they, yeah. make, they, make, they make white, white and red wines, of of the Southern Rhone, but they make they make them in Paso Robles, and Wonderful. apparently it all resulted from the fact that the, there was one particular wine dealer who who had been their exclusive import, their exclusive imp, importer of. Rhone wines into the United States, and they looked everywhere there was in across the country, including several parts of California, to to find the 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 land which most reminded them right. of where they came from. Interesting. And, that, and that's where they established their their vineyard, and it's called oh it's something Creek. <laughs> my my brain is my brain is Tablas Creek. Tablas Creek oh. is, the wine, is their wine label, and they make both a red and a white. Uh-huh. Nice. It's interesting. They they all did something else before. I mean, one was a hospital administrator. Another one was an a, it was a football um, player. It was a football yeah, player. NFL uh, retired football player. Um, and, you know, they came from everything. Oh, and and mm-hmm. I guess this was what do you call that when it's your dream company? And there was, and there was, a, and there was a Frenchman. <laughs> and then there was a Frenchman who outgrew the restrictions of the. And the, of the, uh, and, the and, and the Frenchman and Peter both liked cigars, so on the evening that we spent drinking 
the fine wines and eating their wonderful food. We finished up out by the pool. Yes, well, that was in the past. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> Thank I, heavens. I, I I think if we if we, we if we were there for dinner, we probably would, or I would. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Well, well, don't don't listen. forget don't forget your friend Jay Booksbaum the next time that happens to invite. Right. right. <laughs> well, Jay, I wanted to, to wrap this up by uh, making sure that our listeners knew how to find out where they could get your fine wines. Um, uh, is on the you have like a um, we do have a website. Guy, yeah, on the website. Let's do the website. Oh, sweetheart. Herzog. 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 I had one question I wanted to ask before we sure. close. Go, go okay. ahead. Go, go ahead, Jay. Okay. With the website. Herzog Wine Cellar, Cellars with an S or with it, without the S is fine, dot com, and royalwine.com. Royalwine.com. Royal uh, Wine. Uh, I, I, I wanted our listeners and, and ourselves, for that matter, to, to, to hear what the absolutely disastrous climate changes in California have done to the wine business. Oh, what about the fires? You know, how how long will it it take you to recover? Well, the the fires, what's interesting about the fires is, is that even though it didn't hit um, the vineyards, the smoke taint. Yeah, that's it. And the smoke taint made us literally skip an entire vintage Okay. Really? It's very so scary in, in many areas. And uh, it was very scary because, um, you know, you can't run a business that way. I mean, just, you just can't. I mean, I know. And you, 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 you know, it's just, it was just horrible. I mean, our Napa, our Sonoma, our Alexander Valley, our, I mean, it was just horrible that so much of our best wines, we had to literally skip a vintage on. Did, will you will you sell them at all, or will you just rubbish them? No, we didn't make it. We, we, the wine was no good. We didn't make it. The, the 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 smoke taint. We harvested some, and then as it came in, we saw. Well, I should say, not me. I wasn't there, but the winemakers saw how bad, you know, how it was negatively impacting the must. And he said, "Forget it. We're not making wine this year okay. of these vineyards. You know, not everything. Our Southern no. California." Our, Paso Robles was fine. Um, you know, some of the areas, uh, other areas were okay. But some of the best of our stuff, uh, Napa, Sonoma, was just yeah. devastated. So, so advice, advice to customers would be st- stay away from 2022 California Well, you wine. don't, yeah. I mean, we don't have, if, if, if we have a 22, it's because it came from an area that was not affected. We Got will it. not. There's, there's the example again of why you asked me before why we're successful. And again, it's you know from on high. But if if you want to get down to earth, it's because we could have made wine out of that smoke tainted juice, but it wouldn't have been that good, and we just refused to do it. Oh yeah, it would so, ruin your reputation as well. Yeah, we you know our reputation and our our pedi- you know our. Our consistency, et cetera, is so much more yeah. important than, you know, than even the great loss that we had because of that. Well, it was, it was a great pleasure to talk to you once again. Yeah. And, uh, get, mm. get, get, Pleasure's get, mine. Be able to share our, your story with our 
listeners. Listeners across the country. There's They're one, there's one name that did, didn't come in up in the conversation, and it was re- really rather interesting, and, and may or may not remember this, but we went when we were staying with our nephew at his house in not too far outside Oxford. One of the things we did on a day, a day like a day off, was to go to the Rothschild country estate. Oh, mm. I where, where, about where, that. Where, where they were selling Chateau Lafitte in the cellar. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Will you one day be as large as they are? Oh, I'm not sure how large they are as privately held, but uh, who knows? You know, by the way, you know they're making kosher wine for us. The Rothschild good, family good. is now making kosher wine for us. Right. Good. Good. Well, that's great. Uh, they should. <laughs> <laughs> they should indeed. They certainly should. Okay, Jay Buxbaum of, Until of the Royal Wine. Until we, we we can talk again, uh, and keep us posted on your developments. You seem to be expanding every time we talk. More so. Yeah, Anyhow, it's it. a thank pleasure so as always. You. Okay, you Jay. Jay, thank Take you care. so much. You're Bye-bye. welcome. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net.